Last week we were in Colossians chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to give a summary. And we were talking about, and for those who are not here, let me define what the stuff is. Because the series is Our Heart and the Stuff. So the stuff is anything that will deter or distract us from being loyal to the Lord and serving Him willingly. And that came about because when I started the series, when the, the, Lord, the Lord was speaking to Solomon, I mean when David was talking to Solomon, because the Lord had told David that Solomon is going to be king after him, and that Solomon is going to build his temple, build the temple for the Lord. And David said to his son, he talked about how he's supposed to be with God. He said, God has called you to build this temple. He said, in other words, do not let anything distract you from being loyal to the Lord and serving Him willingly. He says, be loyal to the Lord and serve Him willingly. That hasn't changed. We all have to have that same heart. If you look at Jesus, Paul, all those who came before us, loyalty to the, to the Lord and serving Him willingly. Loyalty to the Lord means you're loyal to the call on your life. There's a difference. And many people who are in the body of Christ in church have no clue what the call is on their life. And so we are, it's, impre- it's important that we understand what our purpose is in the body because we all have a gift. So we talked about the new man last week and the attributes which should be exemplified by our lifestyle. We also talked about love, which is the glue or the bond which matures us in Christ. Christ was the example and demonstrated his love for us by his obedience to the Father. He came and did the Father's will. Because when Jesus came, he was here. He said, I, I came to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus understood the call on his life as also Paul and also me. The Lord had to get my attention. And eventually I had to obey and respond to the call, as all of us have to. So when we put on the new man, the peace of God will rule in our hearts because we are doing the will of Christ and not our own. We have peace because we know we are doing the will of God through Christ. That peace doesn't mean that you won't have trouble. The peace is in your heart because you know you have no, you're not under condemnation. Because you're doing God's will and not your own will. People think when I, I'm supposed to be at peace that I won't have trouble. That is not true. The peace is the contentment that you're walking in knowing that you're in God's will and not your own will. That's when you have peace. So that's important that we understand. And when we walk in love consistently, the stuff will not be an issue and our hearts will always be towards God and His Son. When we walk in love, the stuff that's going to distract us won't have the ability to distract us because our hearts will be towards God. That's very important to understand. We also talk about whatever we do in word or deed, remember who we are doing it for and why. When we go about our daily life, go to work, whatever we do, why are we doing it and who are we doing it for? Because you have to have an attitude about how we do things. 
Are we going to do it grudgingly? Are we going to moan and bellyache? Because the Bible says, whatever we do, do it as unto the word, as, as unto the Lord, in word or deed. Yeah, you may not like your job, or you may not like the neighbor next door. But the job is what? A way of God to, to supply you with what you need for daily living. So if you don't like this job or he doesn't need you in this job, he'll find you, he can put you in another job. But always remember, the devil is everywhere. There's no place you're going to go where there will be peace. There's always going to be there somebody to antagonize you. The question is, how do you deal with it? So remember, whatever we do, remember, who are we doing it for and why? We do it because we love our Heavenly Father and are thankful to Him through our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to please Him. I want to please God. When I go to the supermarket, or I pull up at the gas station, or I'm in my house talking to my wife and daughter, they're going to tell you, look, Chris ain't got it all together. And it's the truth. I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll admit it. I drive them crazy sometimes. Sometimes. Not as much as they drive me crazy. But I drive them crazy. No, I'm, I'm sorry. No, really. I don't have it together. I'm still work, working out my salvation daily. But the thing is, just remember that we want to please the Father. And the way we do that is walking by faith. When you walk by faith, you understand that you're not doing your will. You're doing God's will. So when that next door neighbor who... Just irritates your last nerve, and you say you choose to bless the neighbor who is rubbing you the wrong way instead of cussing them out because you want to. You feel like you want to cuss them out because they're just antagonizing you. But you, instead of cursing, you bless. So they're being rude to you. You be kind. You be generous. That's not easy. <laughs> Let's be honest. It is not easy. You know, we read these words and we think it's so easy to be kind and generous. No, it's not. It's nice, it's easy to be kind and generous to the people who are kind and generous to you. But the people who are rubbing you the wrong way, that's a different story. And you want to cuss them out, or you want to flip them a finger, or you want to do whatever. But no, the, we are supposed to bless and not curse. Because we, what we sow, we reap. Because God, as it says, He, he, he caused the sun to shine under. Just and on the unjust. And the rain to shine on the, on the righteous and on the evil. So we also have to show mercy and compassion. Because we, before we were saved, we were just like that neighbor next door. Driving somebody crazy. But God in His mercy saved us. And now we have a different perspective on the way we ought to live our life. So we have to be merciful. And have patience with people who rub us the wrong way. Today we'll continue in First Samuel. I won't. I'll try and not um, keep too long. But this is something uh, I believe uh, the Lord's been showing me. So I, I'm going to share it with you. So we're going to go to First Samuel chapter eight, verse four. We start there, and uh, it's it, this is such a, a great um, story in the Bible, and it's just a reminder for me. Boy, I tell you, I was reading this, I was like, I start thinking about my life now. Okay, what am I doing? Let me know when you're there. First Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. So we're going to read 4 through 10, then 18 through 20, and then verse 22, something like that. Are you ready? Okay, verse, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. 
And then the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramath. Now Samuel was a prophet and also a judge at that time. And said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. <laughs> According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore, Heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him, him for a king. Verse 18. So after Samuel related to the people what the Lord said, about the king and what he's going to do. This is verse 18. He's telling them, And you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourself. In other words, this king is going to be a thorn in your side. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, No, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Uh-oh. That is not a good thing. Verse 22. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man go to his city. Now if you understand, if you're a student of the Bible and you understand when God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was just, it was, at that time it was Moses. It was the children of Israel, Moses and God. The only, the intermediary between God and the people was Moses. Moses died, then was Joshua. That pattern did never change. It was God, was a prophet, or a judge, in this case where Samuel was a judge, and then they have the book of Judges. But there's always an intermediary between God, the people, between God and the people. So these people lost their mind. So they said here, give us a king to judge us. So they're introducing something that's never existed, because they want to be like everybody else. And God said to them, told Samuel, to what? Verse 9. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them. Tell them ahead of time what is going to happen. And not only tell them, show them. Give them details of what this king is going to do. But what did they say in verse 19? They refused to listen. 
But we want a king. We will have a king over us. So that the king may what? Judge us. Go out before us and fight our battles. So who was going out before them before? That's right. Who was making the judgment? And who was fighting their battles? So now they want a man to replace God. And God is telling them, this is what's going to happen. So you see here, Samuel was old. So Samuel, you old. And your boys, who's supposed to be taking over from you, they're not walking in your ways. They were doing some really vile stuff. They were corrupt. So the people wanted to be like other nations. Which is not what God intended for them. God never wanted them to be like everyone else. God always wanted a personal relationship with the people. Interestingly, if you go back and read when David was speaking to Solomon. God called David his son. When David passed on and, and his son Solomon took over, God called Solomon his son. God always wanted a relationship with his children as father and son or children. Personal, intimate. Always. And it's not changed. It hasn't changed. Even to today, it has not changed. Because there's always God an intermediary, intermediary and the people. Who is our intermediary? Our intermediary. Christ. So now, through Christ, who is our intermediary, we also now have, God calls us children. So that's why Jesus said, the Spirit, when He comes in your heart, you will cry out to the Father. You will say, Abba, Father. Because the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are that God is your Father. So you don't call him the man upstairs. You don't call him the, you know, the big Kahuna. You call him Father because the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. You can't explain that, and that's what my sister was saying. She had to walk and have that relationship with God herself. So she don't call him. The man upstairs, she called him father. So the relationship the Heavenly Father has with her and her mother is the same. Do you understand? Because the father is her father, and to her mom, God is also a father. Amen. And that's how the relationship ought to be. So the people wanted to be like everybody else. And they didn't understand doing that would complicate the relationship between them and God. Bring, putting a man in between is going to complicate the relationship. They did not understand that they were not like everyone else. They were a, a unique and special people. Just as we are, who are in Christ. We are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That is the same thing God said about the people, the children of Israel. I have called you to be a kingdom of priests and kings to me. And that's the same thing he says about us. Think about it. So the living God was their king and their father. We are not like other people. We who are in Christ are not like the people in the world. We are a peculiar people. We are not weird. Peculiar doesn't mean weird. We are special. 
Do you understand? We are special people to God because our relationship is He's our He's our Father. The world cannot make that claim. And not only is He our Father, we also are heirs to that to a kingdom. Joint heirs with Christ. So that is tell you where He has brought us from being lost and enemies to Him to making us sons and not only that, giving us an inheritance which we didn't deserve. Amen. So we are a special people to God. That's why it's, I know who God says I am. What He says I am. Where He says I'm at. I know who I am. You got to know who you are. Don't let people tell you who you're supposed to be. What God says who you are, that's what you're supposed to believe. And walk in that understanding. So when the people requested an earthly king, they were rejecting God. They didn't understand that they were rejecting God. They didn't understand that. They didn't want Him to reign over, over them. You see, I don't think the people understood what they were asking and the consequences, like many of us today. Do we ever take the time to evaluate our heart, consider our motives in what we ask for and the consequences if we get it? No, 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 listen to that's very important. We pray and ask God's, God for things. Do we ever stop to think about what we're going to ask God for? What the motive is behind what we're asking for? And what are the consequences if we get it? Lord, I want to, mil- I want to win $5 million. Could you make sure that happens? Bless me. Is your heart right? No. So if He answers your prayer, what is going to happen to you, your soul? You're just going to go way back, more, even more in corruption, because you're already asking something and your heart's not right. And then you get it, what happens to your kids? And you have a, a, a deadbeat brother or sister or aunt or uncle, you give them $50,000, what are they going to do with it? Because once people are in comfort and they have stuff, they don't think about God. They don't. When people are comfortable, do you actually worry about serving God? No. Why do you think Jesus says, the rich, it's hard for the rich to be saved, much less. Why? Because the rich, they're comfortable. They have everything they want. They don't have time to think about God. Do you understand? So when you're comfortable, you're not thinking about God. And if you do, it's like, yeah, Father, I just thank you and I praise you. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for all the stuff you've given me. In Jesus' name, I just give you praise for it. Do you, are you really generally thankful? Have you really have a, gone through any struggle to appreciate what God has blessed you with? Or you, or that's just uh, superficial prayers? So we have to think about what we're asking for. So God granted them their request. And warned them. Not only did he give them the request, he warned them and told them the consequences about what they got, about their choice. But they couldn't see past their own desires. And they demanded a king. They didn't, listen, they demanded a king. No, we want a king to rule over us, to fight our battles and go before us and fight our battles. Sometimes what we want in the natural makes sense to us in the moment. However, it may not be what God desires for us. So Samuel was old. His sons weren't fit to lead. 
And the tribes of Israel had problems working together. Having a king over Israel made sense. If we have, if we all, the tribes, we're not get, getting along. We're all fighting. If we get someone to make the decisions for all, that makes sense. Everybody else is doing it. It's working for them. It's not, it should work for us. However, God was the one filling that role. He will tell them what to do through the prophet. So it seems like a good idea, right? Let's get a king. When our heart and minds are on the stuff, that is when we want our own way. So that's why they demanded a king, because their hearts and minds were on what they wanted, not what God wanted for them, because they didn't understand. We lean on the arm of flesh and reject God, because that's what they were doing. But God has not changed his mind about the relationship he desires to have with his children. Watch this. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 12 and watch how, watch how compassionate God is. 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 12. Okay, let's go to verse 13. 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 13. Look how compassionate God is. Are you there? So the Lord is speaking through the prophet. Now therefore... Here is the king whom you have chosen. They chose Saul to be king. And whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. So I gave you what you want. Verse 14. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice. And do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. Then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. Even though they wanted a king, God gave them a king and said, Okay, I give you the king, but if you and the king keep serving me, all will be, be, all will be well. I'm willing to overlook it. So you see, God, God is willing to work with them. He's willing to work with them. Okay? He's willing to work with them. But this, but watch what happened here now. Chapter 13, verse 9. Now this is Saul now. Are you there? Chapter 13, verse, let's go to verse 9. Let me give you a little backdrop now of what's happening. So, the, the children of Israel are being under siege by the Philistines. So, Saul and his army, they're waiting now for Samuel. Samuel is, was the high, was the high priest. So only the high priests are supposed to be offering birth offerings and sacrifices. So Samuel was late. A certain time he was supposed to be there because they're going to offer sacrifice and get direction from the, from the Lord. So Samuel, so Samuel was late. Well, lo and behold, verse nine. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Verse 10. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Let's go to verse... No, let's, let's just read verse 11 and keep going. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Mich Michmash, then I said, 
the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. So he felt compelled to offer a burnt offering. So what does Samuel say? Saul, verse 13, 13, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded for you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Now, I felt compelled because you were late. So I had to do something. Even though he felt compelled, he disobeyed God. Even though he felt compelled, doesn't mean that you're doing the right thing because you feel compelled to do something. So we have to be careful what we ask for. So they asked for this king. They were warned about him. And this king is doing everything that they were warned about. And now, if you keep reading, they are now going to be sorry for the choice they made. But it's too late. It's, done, it's a done deal. So the people wanted something that the Lord never wanted for them. But sometimes you have to give people what they want so that they can learn an important lesson. Sometimes, not everything you ask God for and He gives you is a blessing. It is a blessing depending on how you look at it. Because if you learn something from it, it's a blessing. If it changes the way you think and your ways towards God for the good, it's a blessing. Because what the enemy meant for evil, God could always turn it around for your good. Because I've walked that road. I've gotten myself in some mess. And pain and suffering. It wasn't a blessing at the time. But later on, as I reflect back, I have learned from it. So sometimes what you ask God for and you get is not necessarily what His will is for your life. He is just giving you what you want because there's something you need to learn. Amen. Amen. Think about that for a second. You can ask God for anything. And one thing I'm learning to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Because man plans his way but God establishes our steps. You can make all the plans you want. You can do all, all whatever. But God is the one who orders your steps. So do your plans and His steps for you may not coincide. So be careful what you ask for. If it's God's will for your life. Or if it's your own desires. That's why I say when you ask, you're praying for stuff. Ask. Examine your heart. And you know, the, I'm telling you, some of the most, the hardest thing to do sometimes is to be honest with yourself. We can lie to ourselves. I mean, we are so good at lying to ourselves. We don't really examine our heart. If you really examine your heart and your motives, you will know you're lying. You will know it. But sometimes you're so stubborn and stiff-necked, God will give you what you ask for. And then you'll be screaming... And then someone might want to blame, why did you bless me with this? But, but you know what? Sometimes He'll give you what you want. Yeah. 
And you just have to go through the pain with it. Because sometimes we think, what they say, what? The grass is always green on the other side of the road. Until you get on the other side and you realize, <laughs> wait a minute, the grass is just as green as it was on the other side. It was greener. It, <laughs> I know, it was greener where you left it. So, you know, we always, that's very important. We examine our heart. So their, their heart wasn't in the right place because they were preoccupied with what they wanted. How things appeared, how it looked. Well, I want a house like this one because the neighbor across the street have a house like that. Well, I want a car like that person because that's what they're driving now. Or well, I want this because, well, that's what everybody's doing. Excuse me? Did you examine, did you come to cost of what it's going to be to be like the Joneses? Is that really what you, is that even your taste? Do you even like the house, the, the house they're living in? Is really that your taste or you just want to be like everybody else? You know, the, 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 the stupid things we do, for what reason? It, I, I don't know. The Lord always wants intimacy with His children. Always, always. Even the children of Israel. And that hasn't changed. The intimacy, however, was not with the physical, but the spiritual Israel. God didn't want a physical relationship. He wanted their hearts. Spirit to spirit. That's what He wanted from them. But they were such a slave, have such a slave mentality, they couldn't see themselves as sons of God. They couldn't see themselves. That's why we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we could see ourselves as sons and not slaves. We are not slaves to God. God doesn't see His children as slaves. Well, we will see ourselves as slaves. As no good. When God says, you are the, you're the righteousness of God. You're, my, you're righteous because I declared you righteous. But somebody tells you that you're no good and you believe in what they say over what God says about you. We have to start just tuning people out. I love what my sister did. I don't want to hear the negative stuff. I don't want to hear it. Because that's not edifying my spirit. It's not edifying me. I don't want to hear it. And that's, we have to get to that point where we're like, I don't want to hear it. So their hearts and minds were, were never towards God. And with the new covenant that we have now with, in Christ, all people can have intimacy with God. He calls us His children and heirs and He's our Father. So the children of Israel and Saul had good intentions. They had good intentions. However, good intentions... Not in line with God's will for our lives is disobedience. Because you're walking outside God's will. It's disobedience. That's why we must be submitted to the Lord and be willing to give up the thing or the stuff we want most. And that is hard to do. That is hard. Let's be honest. It's hard to do. But when you get to a level of intimacy with God, it gets easier and easier to give up some stuff. It gets easier. I'm not saying it's easy, but it gets easier. When where years ago you used to be kicking and screaming, He had to like pull stuff away from you to give up. But you're over the years as you learn to walk with Him. Sometimes it's hard to give it up, but He doesn't have to like. Pull stuff away. You say, Lord, I let it go. I, I just give it to you. God has a plan for our lives. And what we should be doing is figuring out what He wants from our lives. What Jesus said in Matthew wasn't a suggestion. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then the stuff will be added to you. Solomon got the stuff he didn't ask for because Solomon's heart was right. The Lord said to Solomon, what do you want? Solomon knew he's king. He said, Lord, I want wisdom to rule your people. And the Lord said, because you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for health, you didn't ask for this, I'm going to give you all that. Why? Because your heart's right. He was seeking God's will for his life because he was, a, he was seeking wisdom so he can answer the call on his life. He wasn't about the stuff, he was about the call. That is showing that his loyalty to the call, to God. And God was able to honor him because of his loyalty to, to God. And you know Solomon, of course, he didn't end up the way he started. So you not only you get saved and you're following God's will, everything is hunky-dory. As you go, you got to keep walking and walking and walking until, until he calls you home. Because there's always stuff there trying to pull you back into corruption. Always. And we got to walk that walk of faith and come against that. 